Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's good to see you. Hey, you know, we are one church this morning that meets in multiple locations, and we're all together at the same time right now. Let's take a moment and just welcome everyone in all the other campuses and everyone around you. Good morning and welcome. Abingdon and Edgewood, Aberdeen, Mountain Road, online people, welcome. It's really a it's a privilege that we get to do this together. It's such a great place. So uh, welcome if you're a guest. We're super glad you're here. Uh, back in the 1930s when um, Hitler was rising to power, uh, there was a preacher in Berlin, Germany, by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you know that name. All of you should. He... Um, he stood in his pulpit because he wanted to preach a sermon to his people in the middle of what was going on all around him. There was a lot of tension in the air. There was a lot of fear in the air. There was a lot of social unrest in the air. They were concerned the government was moving in a bad direction. There was extremists that some thought were taking over and some didn't like it. Some did. And there was fighting in the streets. The economy was a real big concern for every. Does any of this sound familiar? And so Bonhoeffer stood there and he said, gosh, I want to give a gift to the people of this church. He said, I, I want to give you peace. I want to give you peace, not just, I want to give you the peace that you can only find in Christ. The kind of peace that, as the Bible says, passes understanding. The kind of peace that, that robs fear of its place in our life. He talked a lot about fear because fear sometimes has too big of a place. He says fear, here's a quote he said, he said one time, said fear it gnaws secretly and eats away at the ties that bind a person to God and to others. And then when in a time of need that person reaches for those ties and clings to them, they break. And that individual sinks back into himself or herself, helpless and despairing while hell rejoices. And those rats, if you've ever had them gnawing at your ties between God and other people, the rats of fear and anxiety and worry and anger and frustration that comes. And he wanted, he wanted his people to have what we all want, what I would love for you to have, and that is the peace of Christ, the peace of that comes from the one who overcame fear and overcame death and led it on a victory procession at the cross. The one who has a victory for every single person that he rescued from the fear of death itself. We're talking about Jesus. Do you, do you have that kind of a peace in your life? Is there a place in your life where maybe God would be pleased if he could just let you have more peace in that area because you're, you're, just, you're just so riled up and worked up? Is there, is there an ability in your life when there's a storm around you and it's chaotic for you to have that kind of calm, serene center that just abides and holds because you've got that inner peace? Is there a place in your life where where you're ruled maybe not by fear but by guilt or, or regret or insecurity or something that just, it robs your peace. One day, Jesus was out in the boat with uh, his friends, who most of them were fishermen, so they were fishing. And uh, I think this is unusual, I would guess, but they got caught 
uh, by surprise, and a huge storm whips up on the lake. Huge, you know, huge storm. And this is not a little storm. It's a sirens blaring, run to the basement kind of storm. And these guys, these grown men, are, are really scared because the wind is howling and the boat is rocking and there's water coming over and it's sinking and getting heavy and going down a little bit. And, and the wind is just pelting them in the face and the, and the rain is, is soaking their beards. And if they had looked around in that moment, what they would have noticed is that someone else snuck in the boat. Who else was in the boat? No, no, fear. Fear was in the boat. Fear, fear was in the boat. That, that's what they would have noticed is a lot of fear. Anybody got any fear in their boat? Anybody got taken on some water? You got a little bit of fear in your boat today? It's the opposite of peace, isn't it? In, in the story, they go, wake up, Jesus, and say, hey, don't you care? We're, we're dying here. This is a really big situation. Uh, save us. And he, Jesus, wakes up. <coughs> says, what? What are you afraid of? Where is your faith? What are you afraid of? And where is your faith? And then he starts talking to the wind and the waves. Who does that? Jesus, apparently. And the wind and the waves are calm. And the storm dies down. Now the guys are even a little more worked up because they're thinking, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Well, here's the deal. <coughs> you, you and I, uh, you're, in a, you're in a storm right now. I think it's fair to say all of us are. Maybe you don't feel like you are. Maybe you're not, okay, but you will be. Or you have been. Everybody's always in a storm or coming out of one or heading into one. Maybe the storm's in your family. Someone's acting crazy or you can't get someone to do what you want or they're hurting your feelings or it's just a, it's just a mess right now. Or it's inside your own spirit. There's a storm going on. Maybe it's sin or something that's just like tearing you up. Or maybe it's your money or your future or your health. I don't know what your storm is, but we all got them, right? Here's what we got to remember. When fear is in the boat, in the middle of a storm, who else is in the boat? Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is in the boat, the one who has the power to calm the storm. And when Jesus rose up, the storm went down and fear jumped overboard. And it'll do that in our lives too. It's like... Where is your fear? He talks about faith and trust, you know. It's like it's faith and fear and faith are opposites. Like when fear goes up, faith goes down. And when faith goes up, what happens to my fear? Here's the deal. The greater your trust in God, the greater your peace. It's that simple. And the more shaky your trust in God, the more shaky your peace. So do you have that kind of peace? And that's what we're trying to drive at and say, yeah, that, that's who I want to become. That, that, that's the questions we're asking. We're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit, right? And we're asking these huge questions about our lives. Like, really, where are you going? Like, what, what, what trajectory are you on in your life? Like, who are you becoming? What character traits are emerging and which ones are shrinking? Like, what are you full of? Because <laughs> you're full of something, right? And Jesus says it's not hard to tell because the tree is known by its what? It's fruit. And so that's where Scripture reminds us that God gives us the gift of his spirit to come inside of us and help us produce this kind of fruit in our lives that we really need by abiding in Christ. And so let's read the list of the fruit of the spirit again. There are nine different things listed. I think they're all kind of a face of love, if you will. And, 
And, uh, and let's read them together. Some of you might have it memorized, but let's start with the list. The Holy Spirit produced this kind of fruit in our lives. Let's start reading right here. Everybody together. All of our campuses, everybody at home as well. Ready? Let's read together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against this kind of stuff. What's the one we're focusing on this weekend? Some of you missed a week. It's peace. Peace. We're going in order, okay? We're going in order. Two kinds of people in the world, those who know peace and have it and those who have no peace and don't. But uh, every human being longs for it. It's just how we're wired. We long for peace around us and in us. In the ancient world, it was a word that was used to describe the calmness that a nation enjoys when it has a strong, capable, competent, and caring leader. Isn't that interesting? It's why the people in Berlin were kind of concerned. But when you have a strong, capable, competent, caring leader, then you can feel secure, and you just kind of have this sense, all is well. All is well. I'm going to be okay. The Old Testament word, who knows the Old Testament word for, for peace? Shalom, Right? Shalom, and shalom is this sense of deep well-being and it's that, that God is in control and that we're going to be okay. He's able and good and that those cords that tether us to God and other people are intact and they're good. I'm, I'm like good with, with God. I have peace there and I'm, I'm good with people around me. I have peace. That you, you can't have peace until those two cords are there. Look at the way peace looks. That kind of shalom in the Old Testament. Like Psalm 46, for example. This is a great one. Some of you need to mark this down and take it home this week. Psalm 46, 1 and 2 reminds us that God is our refuge and our strength. And he's always ready to help us in times of trouble. So we will not what? We won't fear. Even when earthquakes come and the mountains tumble into the sea. So notice it's not saying you can have peace if everything is going pretty smooth in your life. It's talking about earthquakes and and all kinds of trouble and mountains crumbling into the sea. And the people you thought would always be there are gone. When fixtures you thought were like mountain-like permanent rock structures all of a sudden are crumbling away. It's like my whole world is upside down. You can find a refuge and a help. And you don't need to be afraid when you're attacked. Verse 7 says, why? The Lord Almighty is what? With us. You're never alone. And the God of Jacob is a what? A fortress. We were in Spain a couple weeks ago. We got to see a real fortress. Big old monstrous, you know stone castle-like thing up on top of a hill. And it's like, you come at me, come at me, come at me, come at me. Throw, shoot arrows at me. You're just going to bounce off that stone wall. I'll pour some tar on you. You know, I'm in the fortress. And we need a place like that. Humans aren't made to survive the elements of the storm all by ourselves and all the arrows on our own. We're not untouchable. And it's been a rough run. You know, a recent study showed that over 40% of college students report feeling too depressed to function on most days. 40%. 60% said they experienced overwhelming anxiety. There's a lot of arrows coming at a lot of us. And the question is not, gosh, how do you get away from the arrows? They're going to come. The question is, where do you run? Where do you go? And we're going to talk a lot about mental health in the coming weeks and months and, and the Christian resources we have. But let's not forget the most obvious and powerfully preventative, peace-inducing resource we have available to us, which is the wonderful truth that even though arrows will come, you have a place that you can hide. 
you have when you're being bullied and stressed out and chased down and can't feel like you got to just get away and escape and you can't cope anymore. You have a God you can run to who says, I will be with you. I'll be your refuge. I'll be your help. And, 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 and you need that kind of peace from a God who says in verse 10, will you just be still? Because you know I'm God. Jesus is in the boat. And if you trust in that, no matter what the storm is doing, it changes your level of peace. Society's kind of given up on Christianity and stuff like that as anything that's real. So they're like, well, I need more meditation. You got to try yoga. I got to, you know, I get to take more vacations. got to get better friends. And a lot of stuff about happiness and all that. And all that's good, good, good. It's just not enough to sustain you in life's deepest storms. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ will do that. And that's the source of our peace. So... When Elizabeth Elliot's husband, Jim, died on the mission field, she dove deep into her faith in God's. You know, it makes some people bitter. It made her better. And she said at the bottom of the pit, she found trust and peace. People asked her about it. Here's what she had to say. She said, I say that I found peace. I, I do not say that I, was not that I was not lonely. I was. Terribly. I do not say that I did not grieve. I did. Most sorely. But peace of that sort that the world cannot give comes. And it comes not by the removal of suffering, but in another way, through trust and acceptance. I so desperately want to have that kind of peace and with equal fervor want you to have it too. So how do we get it? Well, it's a gift. It's a gift from God, and it's available to every single person. So whatever level of peace you had when you got up this morning, you can go to bed tonight with a different level. Because it's a gift. It's a gift of God. And Jesus, you know, before he was preparing to leave the planet, he talked very frankly. He says, I'm going to leave now, but I'm going to send my spirit, and you'll be even better off with the spirit that's going to come and guide you and help you and, and all this stuff. And and. But he's utter realistically also about the world we live in. John 16, here's what he says. I've told you all this about the Spirit and me leaving and all that. Why? So that in me you may have what? Peace. That's why. Now in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So you notice he says you'll have peace. Oh, and you'll also have some trouble. The two apparently can coexist. And that's where a lot of us don't understand peace. Because we think the only way we're going to get peace is when I don't have any more trouble. Good luck with that. There is an eternal, peaceful place waiting for all who trust Christ. But until then, Jesus says in John 14, he says, even with all the stuff going on, don't let your hearts be troubled. Catch that? Why? Because you can trust in God. How is this possible? He says in verse 27, because of my peace. I'm giving you my peace, remember? That's my parting gift through my spirit, such as the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. So let's put this together. Here's the thing. Jesus is saying you can have peace. And how do you get it? He says it's in him. So first of all, you can have peace. It comes from Jesus. And the second thing, he says, oh, you're going to have some trouble. And the third thing he says is, but you don't need to be troubled by the trouble. You can have peace. I'm going to give it to you. 
you can have it. You'll still have some trouble, but you don't need to be troubled by the trouble. The higher you trust, the lower, the, the higher your, your peace. That's why Paul would say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I hope you're able to find more and more parts of your life that you're willing to just kind of turn over to the Lord and say, I need your peace in this area or that area so that the peace of Christ could rule over all of our hearts, you know, every part of it. And we could really just be people that had more peace. It would be beautiful, wouldn't it? Think how different the world would be. This might be a good moment to pause and... Uh, in light of the Supreme Court decision this last week, you know, um, the decision to reverse Roe versus Wade, which sends rulings about abortion back to the states, and it's a good moment to maybe comment on it, especially we're talking about peace, and then to pray just for a moment. You know, when, when our, we gotta remember, when our peace truly comes from and is grounded in Christ, however glad we may be uh, for this decision, as many are, we realize our ultimate peace doesn't come from that, right? That's not, that's not, that's not the reason we have peace. And, and those who are angry and sad ab about it or, or, or feel despairing about it, as many do and are, you don't need to be unraveled or despairing because peace can't be destroyed by some government decision or whatever. The peace that Jesus gives is a reminder that Christ towers above all the storms of society and life, even like a lighthouse in the middle of a storm. Colossians says he's supreme over all creation, and so it's fitting. that we, Let's just pray. Can we just pray together a little bit? There's lots we could say about all this, and there's a lot of emotion and anxiety and angst and excitement, all this stuff about it, but let's just pray. It's maybe the best thing to do. Let's pray together. Holy Father of us all, we know from your word that you have knit us together in our mother's womb. And that you've not only created us and all people, but you love us. And that you have a purpose for every one of us. We also know that you love and care for every woman that may find herself in a difficult situation in her family. So we pray for your help to help us to love like you love and to love whom you love, which is everyone. Lord, we're humbly grateful for any unborn life that may be saved. But we also know that your watchful eye of concern and care is on the life of mothers and fathers and children after they're born and on all who are vulnerable or struggle. So, so help us to demonstrate our love and care for all people from the womb to the tomb. Lead us to, to step up in big ways to show emotional and spiritual and financial support, again, to moms and dads and kids who need our help. And Father, we can feel forces at work that are trying to tear us all apart. And we ask that you would fill us as the body of Christ with peace. And then show us how to share it. Help us to demonstrate the love of Jesus to one another. And to even find ways to listen to the words of Jesus that would help us gently understand and even love our enemies and extend caring to those with whom we disagree. And help us to remember always that, that hearts will never change through the laws of this land, but only through the love of our Lord. So help us to love like Jesus and to be a light in this dark world that many may come to be born again from on high and experience the peace 
of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If I can take you back to the fishing boat for just a moment. The one where the storm was raging and the disciples were freaking and Jesus was sleeping. Can I just point that out? Did anyone notice how bizarre that is? These are seasoned fishermen about to, they're panicked. They can't even find Jesus. Where is he? He's in the boat. Asleep. It's almost like he, he had such a trust in the Father that no matter what was going on, he knew that he was going to be okay in every situation. Now check this out. Years later, one of the dudes that was in the boat all freaked out that day, his name was Peter. He saw Jesus calm the storm, and he saw Jesus die and rise again. There's nothing he's afraid of anymore, ever. So he's running around. He's preaching about Jesus, and they don't like it, and they throw him in jail. And the next day, he has a hearing with a guy named King Herod who has a nasty habit of killing people. God says, I think I'll spring Peter out of, out of jail, send some angels to do it. When he gets there, guess where the angels find Peter? The night before his execution. Sleeping. They're like, Peter, why don't you wake up? Let's go. Jesus slept to the storm. And that's why Peter could sleep through the storm. Are you able to sleep through the storm? Because you're going to have storms. Sometimes it's hard to sleep in the storm, but there's something about trusting God in the middle of it that's beautiful, isn't it? Where you have that deep centered peace that's okay. Sometimes Jesus comes and he calms the whole storm with everything that's going on around you. And that's beautiful when he does. But sometimes, you know, he just comes and he calms the storm that's going on inside of you, even though everything outside of you is still crazy. Either way, you can sleep in peace. So I want to just leave you today with a couple of things. Uh, I want to leave you with a prescription and a song, okay? I hope it's helpful and practical for you. The prescription is for sleep. So if I got my little pad out here today as Dr. Ben, I would write you a prescription for Psalm 3, 4, and 5. Take it right before bed. Okay? Write that down. Psalm 3, 4, and 5. This is something that I stumbled on. I was going through a period where I was like kind of stressed out, and I just bounced onto this thing about, about Psalm 3, 4, and 5. I just want to share it with you. It's just a beautiful little tool for you to apply some of the stuff we're talking about. Um, you know, there is a whole thing. You know, how many of you love sleep, by the way? Like my wife, who's a professional sleeper, by the you know. I mean, it's amazing how much we long for love sleep, and then we get older, we can't always do it. But you know what? Insomnia is a big deal. A lot of us struggle with sleep. It's, and, you know, there's, there's a thing I found this week on the Internet, a sleep economy. You know, there's a sleep economy. And you know how much we spend annually on sleep? Get ready for this. $432 billion because we're dying for a good night's sleep. And sleep is like a symbol for for peace, I think. That's why we spend all that money on mattresses and melatonin and whatever else. But you know what it's like when you're lying there in bed and all the monkeys are jumping around in the tree of your brain. There's a, there's a thousand of them. And then, and then you got a thousand fears that come in. And then you got a thousand regrets. And then you got a thousand what ifs. What if this, what if, what if, what if. And you got a thousand things you're angry about and a thousand things you got to do. And before long, you got 10,000 things running through your head. Oh, you got that problem? Let me give you a prescription here. Psalm 3, 4, and 5. Take it before bed. Here you go. Psalm 3. It begins by the psalmist saying, I got all this stuff coming at me. I got 10,000 things coming at me, God. 
I don't know what to do. And then listen to verse 3. He says, but you, O Lord, despite the arrows, you are a shield around me. Just read this before you go to bed. You're my glory. And you're the one who lifts my head. The next time your head is just down, you just want to crawl in bed. Just, you know, before you go to bed, he just lifts your head. He says, good night. I got this. Send that to bed. Verse 5 says, therefore, I will just lie down and sleep. Now I'll wake up again tomorrow because the Lord sustains me. He's on duty through the night. I'm not afraid of 10,000 armies who surround me on every side. Sleep, my friends, is an act of faith that you can trust in God, that you have peace because you know there is a God who's actually in control. And you can take a night off. You can turn the reins of the universe and your family and your job and your work, turn the reins over to God just for a few hours and see if he doesn't screw it up. And then you just take over in the morning again if you have to. But he'll sustain you through the night. I said Psalm 3 and 4. Go to, go, flip over one page to Psalm chapter 4. And you look at verse 8. It's just beautiful. Right before you go to bed, you read these words. I will lie down and sleep in what? Peace. It's a promise to yourself and to God. Why? Because, oh, Lord, you're going to keep me safe. You just sleep in peace. And then take, take, the, whole, take the whole pill so you... Turn over to chapter 5, verse 3. Here's what it says. In the morning, O Lord, I'm going to get up tomorrow, and you're going to hear my voice. I'm going to say, I'm going to have some requests, because I'm going to leave them right here on the bed stand. I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to bring them to you, because tomorrow's a new day. Jesus says, don't drag today's problems in. Just start fresh tomorrow, and you and the Lord will figure it out tomorrow. When there's new arrows, he's, in, he's still a shield. He's still a lifter of your head, and he's still the one. Uh, you can lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone will keep me safe. There's your prescription. Take it just before bed. You might have to take it for a while. I don't know. Stop when you need to. Now for the song. Uh, as you may know, Carla and I got to visit our daughter Ellie in Spain. Sounds exotic, doesn't it? Well, let me tell you what it was. And not as exotic as the two, a couple of days we got to spend down in Portugal. Oh, my goodness. That place is amazingly gorgeous and beautiful. We, spent, we saw all these rocky coastlines with these huge cliffs jutting out and, and just amazingly beautiful stuff. Uh, it was breathtaking, really. We were at one of those amazing seascapes one day. And we saw this big rocky cliff right next to the crashing surf. And, and I bet those walls were 200 feet tall. And we saw all these birds flying around, an unusual number of birds. And then we saw them diving down, and they would disappear. We didn't really know what was going on. And then we looked, and we figured it out. These birds were actually diving straight into these big holes that were there in the side of the rock, like a protective little mini cave in the, in the cliff. It was really cool. They were just like, they would just dive bomb and go right in there. And I guess they do it every day whenever they get tired of the wind beating them down or tossed around or a falcon coming after them. They're just like, whoop, bye, we're gone. I just imagine these birds going in that little hole and just sitting there and like holding each other. It's like, ha, ah, all is well, we're good. It was just a very, it was a really cool scene. And, and when I saw that, it reminded me of the scripture from the Old Testament when God's people were all messed up. They were been super unfaithful. And Moses, who's supposed to be their leader, is at their, his wit's end. He's absolutely desperate and stressed out and calling out to God, worried and overwhelmed. He doesn't have any peace about what to do next. 
And in Exodus 33, God graciously says to Moses, who says, I'm scared, I need your help, I don't know what to do. In Exodus 33, the Lord replies, Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you, what's the word? Rest. Can you imagine what a relief that was to Moses? In fact, he says, God, if you don't go, I don't want to go. If you're not with me. And then, catch this, as a beautiful way to encourage Moses and assure him of his presence and his peace, God says, I, I will, I'll reveal my glory to you, but I don't want you to get too close, close or have too much more than you can handle. So I'm going to protect you, Moses, and as I pass by, I'm going to put you in the, the little hole in the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand until it's safe. And I realized that's what I was seeing in Portugal. That exact thing. And when I thought of that, I thought of the little church I grew up in where we grew up singing the old hymns. And I thought of that woman, Fanny Crosby, who was blind and had a lot of bad stuff in her life, but she wrote over 8,000 praise songs to God. And one of them, she stole that idea out of Exodus about God putting us in a protective place and covering us. And she wrote a whole song about it, and I remember it. And it came to mind, and I pulled it up on YouTube, and I've been listening to it for the last couple weeks. And I'll be honest with you, I've been weeping through it. Because Moses isn't the only one who sometimes needs to have the Lord put you in a safe place and just protect you. Some of the reason it's been difficult, I sent it off to my family because our, our family's going through some stuff. And, you know, every family goes through stuff. A lot of you know my parents. My, my dad and mom are 93, live at home in Minnesota. But my dad fell, and he broke his hip a couple weeks ago and had surgery at 93. It's, it's been rough. It's not, everybody, every day somebody asks me, how's your dad? How's your dad? And I usually say, he's okay, thank you. But honestly, it's been really hard, and, and the recovery is just, it's a rough road. At any age, when you're 93, it's tough. We're so grateful for the medical care and all of the good things, but honestly, it's just kind of hard, and then progress is slow, and the next steps are unclear, like what happens after this, and what about mom who's worried and kind of trying to get there, and then my siblings were on the phone every night trying to figure out how to do this from afar, and I'm worried about them, I'm worried about my mom, and mom's worried about him. And, and then in the middle of all that, my, my brother's... My brother's mother-in-law, who's right there in town as well, fell. She's 96, same week. So the nurse in the family needs to take care of her. And then Carla's sister just started chemo last week. And Carla and her sister are close, and it's hard to walk with someone through that. And then Carla's got something going on with her wrist. We got tests out for that. And I got kids. And if you got kids, you got stuff. And we got stuff. So, you know, we always got stuff. And then I'm overdue with some work, and it's piling up, and it's a busy time. And then I had a stupid knee surgery last week, of all things. It's like, I'm not saying anything that... There's no one here that can't relate to what I'm saying. You know exactly what it's like. I'm not the only one who once in a while just feels like a bird battered around in the wind like, good grief, I, I just need a stronger dose of peace. I want to give you a gift today. I want to give you the gift I intended when I sent this song to my mom and dad so that the promises of God could float down over you. Through this special song. You old timers, some of you churchy people, you grew up singing it. You'll know it. Some of you others, you'll be being blessed for the first time. And I hope all of us will feel like the Lord's speaking right to you about his presence that will be with you as he will put you in a safe place in the cleft of the rock. 
can cover you there with his hand. Jesus, my Lord, a wonderful Savior is He. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry thirsty land he hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. He taketh my burden away. He giveth me strength, and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand. And covers me there with his hand. Friends, when you face the high winds, when a storm comes, and they will come, when you have trouble, you don't have to be troubled because Jesus is in the boat. And God will put you in a place as you trust in him in the cleft of the rock cover you with his hand no matter what's going on outside of you let's pray God I pray as Dietrich Bonhoeffer prayed in the 1930s I pray for these people that they would find peace in the storm and may we find it in Jesus alone amen